Welcome to the Spirit for Success podcast with your hosts, Rach Wilson and Therese Tucker. Welcome to another Kick-Ass and Sparkly Lady for a new podcast with me. As always, is the beautiful, the ravishing, the beautiful red-lipped Therese Tucker. I just love her. I was going to say, and, and, and scared shitless. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. This I wish I could take credit. That scary. <laughs> this is my scared hair when I get scared. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stories behind this let me tell you i'm going to throw it back to Teresa. So tell us a little bit about why we called this show premonitions dreams and weird shit <laughs> so much weird shit so much weird shit so yeah it's very humid here and i figured stop don't fight it don't fight humidity and it usually works with curly hair okay God, where do I start, Rach? Should I start at the very beginning or yeah, what do I? What, I don't care. Like I told everybody to bring their own wine and coffee. I've got chocolate and water. And stories. I wish bring I could have story. wine. Oh, we haven't, we haven't told the world yet. It's official on my Facebook. Oh. We told people in my, my groups and my private clients, but we haven't told the world. I'm pregnant again. So this Wait, is why you say it. Listen to your tone, though. Like, I'm, I'm pregnant, pregnant again. <laughs> it was not part of the plan. This is not the plan. So not the plan. Which is why you've been seeing me eating chippies and drinking drinks while doing the podcast. And we're uh, happy to say we've hit the 12-week mark. And coming out of the trimester one yuckiness, um, exhaustion still hits in the afternoon, but that's okay. We can deal with that. Uh, so things are about to get really wild and crazy in Rachel's world. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you forgot to mention the best part is that she'll probably be born on like April 5th and you'll name her after me. <laughs> so no. kidding there. <laughs> <laughs> she may be an Aries now. I need to I'm going to race to really master. Aries I will. Meantime, working before, on. We, before I even got onto the, this is how weird my life is, which is pretty normal. Yeah, before we even got onto the, the podcast, Therese had to go and mention chocolate. Well, the second she mentioned, like, oh, now I need chocolate. God damn it. Don't, don't anybody else mention any food because guaranteed you'll say it. And I'm like, oh, I, now I want that. So, <laughs> chocolate, we're good. And I have water. We got the chocolate. Okay, so we're going to leave it at chocolate. All right, so let's get down to why we are, we're call it, talking about this on the podcast. <laughs> All right, so to give you a little prem framework of, of what's going on. Uh, we're in the middle of the dream work course on school for spirit. We're at, actually, we're at the last week before a bonus class, and we're going to be talking about premonitions in dreams and how common it is for people to receive premonitions and dreams. And we're also going to talk about if it's possible to get like actively seek for, you know, future oriented information on purpose versus it just kind of happening to us. So this is where my brain has been for several weeks now is just deep in this material, thinking about it and working through it. And of course, what happens when you, you know, focus so intently on something is it starts happening in your life. Now, I, I've always had premonitory dreams. I've never been able to control it, never tried actually. Um, and, you know, what's usually it's the kind of premonitory dreams people receive are kind of in warning style. So we're all able to have premonitory dreams and we're actually able, we are able to seek the information for ourselves. So you don't have to have a, a, a gift, like they say, or a skill. It is part of human. You know, that's just, I want you to accept that as 
comes with the package <laughs> that you're in. Exactly. I actually had premonitions um, about so that I ignored. Before, ha before you found out you were pregnant, yeah. you had premonitions. That you were yeah, well, I had dreams that I was pregnant again, which happened before I had Jack's. And I thought, nah, nah, it's because my friend, you know, a couple of friends have gotten pregnant. I'm like, nah, it's just that, just that, just that. I was so wrong. It's 11 11. <laughs> <laughs> so wrong. And also other people who were intuitive told you that you weren't done yet, which is always fun to get that kind of information when you're not expecting it. No, um, no. And you can disagree so, all you like, but I'm sorry, but the universe just knows all these people know. Well, because, you know, if we want to take it a step back for a minute, um, you have a plan. You wrote a plan before you came into your physical body. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you remember your plan or you think you know your plan. Oh, the human thinks don't. they've got a whole totally different plan compared to the higher self. So right. <laughs> the ego <laughs> thinks it knows that. Right. The, the ego thinks it knows everything when yeah. it really doesn't. It has very, a very <laughs> narrow view of the whole scope of why we do what we do and the complexity in which our higher self works and how, you know, you're, you're working as a multidimensional being who has multi, multiple aspects, right? So if we go into the we are one thing, then your plan has to work into the plans of other beings that you're interacting with uh, in your faceted self, right? So this is how we are able to receive precognitive information. Um, and many times precognitive information actually is is coming up from a store inside of you. So our subconscious mind, this is something I talk a lot about in dream work, it stores and records way more information than our conscious mind is perceiving. It records every which, second. It does. Uh, everything that's happening, the colors, the lights, the I mean, just the things your conscious mind isn't picking up, <clears throat> your subconscious is, and it's holding it. And Many times we get precognitive dreams in the forms of warnings, and, and that's why people remember them because they're so, they feel so significant. And many times people kind of associate precognition with an ominous tone only because the stuff that we tend to remember is the stuff that's like, hey, course correct, course correct. Um, and so what we're seeing is the probable outcome of the current lineage of events and all the background environmental stuff that has been collected and the, the, the subconscious is going, based on this data, it looks like this is going to happen, um, which is why people can have a precognitive dream that actually doesn't play out for like five years, which can be, you know, you can have different levels of precognition. I've definitely had quite a few. In fact, I, I dreamt that I had, was living in another place with someone else way, right before I even left my husband. So that one was probably probably seven or eight, probably seven or eight months. Um, before I even knew I was leaving my husband, before I even knew that I was going to meet my current husband and be, and he was going to stay at my mum's place. So I had this dream that I was in the kitchen with this guy and like, that doesn't make any sense because I had no plan of leaving my husband. So when it happened, I'm like, holy shit. So with the, the window of six months, the, here's the thing. You can't really a stamp a timestamp on a precognition because when we're in our, our non-physical dream state, there is no time. And we are able to literally skip linear time and go right to the heart of the information. So you might find out something uh, in a precognitive dream about yourself or even someone else. And that does happen. We get information for other people all the time that we 
can't tell when it's going to happen because there's, it, it has nothing to do with a sequence. It's going, it usually has to do with a conscious or subconscious question that gets directly answered by the precognitive information. So we can see things that happen the next day. We can see things that happen in five years, six months. It doesn't. It, so the, the idea here is that, um, you know, how do we know when we're having it <laughs> and when oh, I don't, um, that's the thing. That's the funniest part. Right. So this is why tracking our dreams um, is so important, especially for the people in class. We've been practicing dream journaling and how important that is because uh, you might find out that you actually, what you thought was just a dream ended up being a precognition mm. of a future event. So it's really good actually to record it. And the more we record our dreams, the more uh, dream recall we have. So it's like strengthening a muscle, writing it down, you know, journaling is like working out your brain around dreams and precognition, just so you know, little tip for you. So let me tell you about why this came up. So I texted Rach right before the, the podcast that I was freaked out because um, I had a premonition that it had come true and I was happy slash unhappy about it. And for me, this one was a 24-hour turnover. So last night I dreamt it and then it happened. That's a very short window. Uh, of course, I didn't know. I, I, I was told in the dream that it was a primitive dream, which also weirded me out because your dreams, uh, there's so many things. I mean, this is really, uh, I have to leave it in the class because there's just so much information to share. But what happened was I'm, I've been doing all this work about precognition and I went into a precognitive dream last night. And in the dream, I was barely lucid, which for, if you don't know what lucid means, it just means that you're consciously aware that you're dreaming. So I had a little bit of lucidity and I was told that this is a precognitive dream. And I went in the dream, I was just like, okay, you know, like just accepting it. So the dream was that um, I was alone in the house and there was a huge spider. And for those who don't know, I'm terrified of spiders. I hate them. I can't. And then Mark always has to deal with spiders for me. I can't me do it myself. Spiders. Sorry. Well, that's why I was like unhappy. So in the dream, <laughs> I was told. Here's your precognition. You're going to be alone in the house. There's going to be a spider. You're going to be in the bathroom. And the only thing that you're going to have to do to deal with it is toilet paper. And it's going to be big, like scary big. So it went in and out. I accepted it. I kind of remembered it, drifted away. Um, and of course, I'm getting, I'm getting ready for uh, doing the podcast, doing my hair. And I look up and above the bedroom door is a spider like this you know, this big and it's abdomen just to give you kind of a reference was the size of a slice of almond like that wide and big. I mean, it was big and it was, uh, as I looked around for <laughs> weapons, I realized all I had was toilet paper and it just came all flooding back what was happening. And I was like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, like here's me alone. And it, and it was high. It was right up in the corner of the wall. So I had to get up on a chair to get close to it. Which means that, you know, where for Mark, he's got, he's really tall. He could just kind of reach up and get it. I had to like get eye level with the damn thing. <laughs> you know what I chose to do? And I, I, I really struggle with this because I don't want to kill another living thing. And I make deals with spiders. I'm like, listen, you stay outside in your home. I won't mess with you. But if you come into my house, 
you better leave as fast as you can or or no you're leaving in a body bag basically wrapped in tissues so actually what i did is like i the the freakiest part in the dream was having to touch it with the toilet paper now here's the thing in your dreams all five senses are active and tactile which means you will smell see hear taste feel just as if it was physical reality so when I went to touch it in the dream, I felt everything and I did not like that feeling. That was very uncomfortable. So this time recognizing that that was, that I, I thought it didn't have an option. I grabbed the towel, <laughs> got it with the towel, but that means I didn't know if it was good and done, which means I had to like, look at it, you know, and I was so afraid it was going to be like, ah! <laughs> I was, oh God, I was very jumpy. It, it, it didn't survive. But uh, so, so that was one layer, right? All of that happening was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And Oh my God, that was the worst. Like of all the things you could premonize why that. (laughs) And then on top of it. So like two minutes later, I go back to doing my hair and I'm all jittery and I'm I'm trying to talk to Rach and, and she's busy and I'm trying to talk to my husband and he's busy. And so I'm just alone with this and I'm just like, Oh God. I'm doing my hair. And then all of a sudden I hear, it's this huge sound. It sounds like five bowling balls being thrown at my front door happened. And so I'm like, Holy God, what is that? Well, it's thunder and lightning, but, but I get very skittish with that too. So like everything is skittish. And then right before getting on this podcast, which is the witch was hiding under the bed. And when I went to put my feet down, the cat like jumped on my feet. So I was like, Wah! Rach is like, Jesus, do you have any wine? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Have some more. Have some more. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, there. You need to sort of pre frame the premonitions before you go to sleep. You want to have premonitions around good stuff, stuff that you can be excited about and go, oh my God, I actually already knew I was going to win that $10 million in the lotto. Well, and that's something we're going to talk about in the class because oh, yes, you're going to help us to come up with the numbers. You, tell us you can actually, people have, people have tried to do lucid dreaming and get lotto numbers and it is possible, but they always get it wrong. I can't wait to talk about that in class, but they always, they don't, they get, don't do it. No, they get it right. They get the numbers right, but they mess something up between the dream and the waking that caught, or they misinterpret is the biggest one. Right. They don't interpret what they got what well, they, they pre- also not the right timing even necessarily so it could be the the lotto from tomorrow it could be the lotto from well see that's the so. thing <laughs> you have to ask right you have to frame your question right and you have to be open to what you get because it's not always straightforward mm. for example one of the numbers a guy was trying to get uh, or he asked what the numbers were and he saw an eight and he saw nothing and he saw an eight and he assumed that numbers wouldn't repeat. So he changed the last eight to a three, which was an assumption. So he got it wrong. And then when he got nothing, he assumed that that meant there was nothing there and it meant zero. (laughs) So you got to be able to like, see it and like really step back and try not to assume, you know, the answer. Right. So so here's the thing about, about premonition, right? Is it doesn't, <laughs> when you're, when you're not seeking it, you're not going to be able to filter what you get. So it might be of significance, like being pregnant and it might mean nothing like you're going to have, you know, this is that kind of premonition that I got was more of a verification that yes, 
you're having premonitory dreams. That, that's basically the significance was so that almost I could have something immediate to share with my students to record that, yes, indeed, just focusing on it even without the intention of doing it will cause you to lucidly uh, have a I'm afraid of going into going, I want a premonitory dream. No fucking spiders. <laughs> well, you know, and, and see, the thing is, um, it's funny because, yeah, when sometimes the things that we need to work on the most are the things that are blocking us or avoiding us. So when we go in for a premonition, we might be faced with our very own obstacles that we are avoiding in our waking life, which means they're, they're going to show up. However, they could be symbolic, symbol, symbolic, very show up as, show up as spiders and show up as, you know, big, scary cyborgs that are chasing you down the street. Well, and that, that's true. I mean, a lot of people use dreams to get over their um, phobias Mm. because it's a very safe place to Has work been. through what you're afraid. Yeah. Well, I didn't, you know, I certainly didn't set the intention that I want to go deal with spiders and like let myself be covered in spiders or anything like that. So when I was in my dream and obviously it was a premonition, I was still dealing with my fear, which meant the fear was present and active. If I wanted to get over fear of spiders, let's say, I would intend to ask, how do I get over my fear of spiders? And it might present me with me sitting down, having coffee with a giant spider, talking to it. <laughs> like, what's your perspective on humans? You know, like, they're like, that's scary as fuck. You know, like, <laughs> no. you never know. You never know what gets you over it. I, no, <laughs> I am clearly not ready to go there in my dreams or in my waking state. No. And, and the thing that's, the irony that you're going to find in life and in your dreams um, is what you resist persists. So the very things that you say, I don't want to look at, guess what's kind of shut up inevitably show. I'm going to ask your husband to put gaff tape over your mouth. No, <laughs> no I do not want to hear that. I don't want to know that. <laughs> no, no. Sylvia's here and she's just saying that she had to deal with a giant spider and a sock the other night. She says it was huge and fast. See, that's my fear is how fast they are and how quickly they can move. And I don't, I don't like it when they jump. I don't we're, like that. We when I went not. to Queensland um, earlier. Never when... going. <laughs> Never going. <laughs> not going there. Don't experience spiders. But huntsmen here in Australia can get quite big. And I'm talking <sighs> like... Explain these guys to people in case you don't know what an Australian huntsman is. Look, they're, they're actually harmless. They don't really bite and they tend to, to move away from humans. They're not really fans of humans. And I can understand that. I mean, we only have two legs and they, we, you know, we're hairless. So clearly we're <laughs> way more menacing. They've got eight and lots of hair and I just don't agree. But they can get quite large. So the bodies on them themselves can be like this and then the legs branch out. Oh, they're, are they're, huge. They're kind of tarantula, but not not quite as hairy as tarantulas, but a slightly smaller, interesting version of tarantula. Either way, they're fucking scary. Um, but we were, <laughs> yeah. I was at my friend's place and I woke up at like five in the morning. It was dark, but I could see this thing out of the corner of my eye. There was this dark thing in the corner of the room and I kind of opened my eyes and then realised it was a fucking huntsman. I'm like, oh, I'm okay. In the room, in your bedroom. Not, not go back to sleep. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Uh -uh. Now it moved a little bit, but I was watching. I was watching every two seconds I was looking up at it. I just couldn't get back. So anyway, so my friend, also another girl, 
<clears throat> she was, I said, look, there's a constant in my room. She goes, oh, okay, no worries. She took one look at it, went, mm -mm. So I basically got bundled Jack and I, Jax and I out of the room because it was in the other corner, like the doors here, it was in the other corner. So oh, God. Got yeah. out. And then um, it just so happened that her car battery failed and we had to call someone to jumpstart the car. So when he showed up, I said, so how are you with spiders? He's like, you've got a spider problem? Oh, we've got a spider. <laughs> and he said, oh, that's okay. I can deal with that. He went into the room. Couldn't see the, the spider when he stood at the door. He had to go into the room, which is why I did not go anywhere near the room because I'm like, if I can't see that fucking thing, Chances are it's above the, I just know, no, 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 no. no. <clears throat> anyway, he goes in, into the room and in two seconds he comes out and he goes, you didn't tell me how big it was. <laughs> but I think because he'd already said the manly thing, which I'll take care of that for you. There was a part of him that was not going to let the spider win. So <laughs> we sent him in there with a container and a, like a, a piece of newspaper. Oh, and, oh, oh, um, piece of newspaper? Yeah. Anyway, he eventually got it. It, it. He basically ran in and out of that room like two or three times. Like, <laughs> the poor guy. And there's like two women in it. He did eventually get it. Like, we got it into a bucket and he put something on top a of the bucket. bucket. Yeah. A bucket, people. They had to use a bucket. Let's just. <laughs> he got That's it in the bucket, put something on top, and then he, he literally, once he put something on top, he sort of put, stood straight back. <laughs> And then he got up the courage to pick the whole thing up. And he's like, I can feel it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. See that? That's, that is no, no. See, okay. He took it, it was so good because he took it outside, literally put it on the grass and just kicked the... the <laughs> let, let the thing like, run away. <laughs> All you see is this giant it. bucket moving across the yard. <laughs> and it wasn't even a huge huntsman. Like, it was only about... Oh, hang on. So that's not huge. Mm -mm. No, no it's not. I, I would it's, burn the house. That is a medium-sized huntsman, like big huntsman. I had this freaking near dinner plate size one above my bedroom door when I was a child. And I said to my burn dad, burn the house. No, no, no. <laughs> not going to bed. Not with burn that. Burn the house. Yeah, I would be like, grab my sage, grab a lighter, burn the house. Burn. <laughs> Done. We Bring down. <laughs> so... See, this, this one that I had the premonition about and I had to get was literally above my bedroom door and I needed a chair. And the only chair that I could get that I could done was inside the bedroom. So I had to like run under it and be like, ah, you know, like, ah, and like standing there at the doorway, like looking and then run out. <laughs> that is, I'm such a girl when it comes to spiders. Like, I can deal with little ones, like little ones, we can, I can cope with those, but when you start talking the size of my freaking hand, mm -mm, yeah. I don't care if they're, no. no, they are eight legs and hairy. I'm done. No. So I try to find things about, there, there have been things posted about spiders that I'm trying to make. They're supposed to be good seen. luck. They're supposed to represent money. And if I'm constantly killing the fucking things. <laughs> I know, right? They're Why supposed to represent money in abundance. Exactly. <laughs> joke, universe, cruel joke. I have seen this uh, this little scientific meme that shows the, uh, an, a close-up of their legs, and apparently they have paws, which kind of makes them cuter, as they've got little paws. <laughs> and hair. Spiders have paws. And lots of eyes and lots of little... No. Well, yeah, I don't want to look at the face, but if you just look at their little foot, it looks like a little tiny kitty paw, where it's like, hi, you know, I'm, I'm innocent. 
If I can think about it like a cat I with eight legs. I'm not going to get that close to pick one up and have a look at its little paw. I, okay, so <laughs> Cynthia's talking about how, <laughs> sorry, Sylvia. Spiders this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and now everyone's sharing their, their spider story. So Sylvia is talking about, she's saying use a broom to knock it down and get it. Um, run and run. Get it days before you grab it and squish it. <laughs> My grandmother taught me that if you shine a light on it, they'll freeze. So if you shine a light on a spider, it'll freeze in place. And then you can either brush it or crush it, whatever yeah, is your, your we method. We try to get a container that's way bigger than the spider and put it over the top of it. And then slide a piece <laughs> of paper underneath that right. to get it into the container. And then put the fucking lid on. And then give it to somebody else to get rid of that shit. I, every once in a while, I manage to... Like there was, we've had baby spiders. So little teeny tiny ones that um, blew, we have this huge tree in our backyard. It's a very lush, full of branches and a lot of spiders hang out in it. And, and all the orb spiders, now these are the ones with the very round bodies that hang out outside. They've had their babies. And because it's been very hot and humid, we have all our fans in the window going. So they all got blown into the house. So we have baby spiders all over our house so every once in a while i'll be typing and there will be a baby spider that'll be crawling across the keyboard and under my hand so i will let those like crawl on me to practice and i will send them outside and i'll be like go be free get out of here but yeah it's been intense to where there's spiders just oh. everywhere oh, oh. Oh, oh. Mm -hmm. are you worried about coming i haven't had we've had one spider in this house the entire time we've been here that's it <laughs> So no, this, is, yeah. this is nice. I like this place. This is cool. I like, that's why I like apartment buildings. There's no fucking spiders in those either. Awesome. Yeah, that, yeah it's, it's spider time. Yes, when, so Sylvia's asking if spiders have stage fright. I don't know, but my husband got a laser pointer. has a blue laser pointer. So when I went to squish that spider, I was like, I need light. And I, I didn't have anything. So I grabbed the laser pointer and I shined, <laughs> I shined the laser on. I would have laughed if it did lighter. If what cats do, you know, when you get a laser pointer out and the cat and they start chasing it, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> no, spiders like, don't do it. <laughs> Follow the laser pointer out the door, out the door, out the door. <laughs> right? Walk this way. No. That, that'd be it, cool if we could do that with spiders. I think I'd be okay because I wouldn't need to touch it. I wouldn't need to go near it. Just get the laser pointer. Follow the brain. Okay, blue, blue dot. It didn't. It was a blue dot, and it wasn't very bright. Like when I shined it on the spider, so I was like, "Will it burn the spider?" I'm like, I just needed it to be still because I didn't. I was at face level, like I was eye to eye with it. So I needed, I needed it to be still so I could stop it <laughs> from happening. It's probably gonna I'm change never the gonna laser. Watch this podcast again. I know. I think we had a couple of people leave because they're like, "These bitches be crazy." All they're they're not talking about premonitions. They're just talking about oh, horrible, man. horrible, horrible spiders. That's really cute. That's the, ah. <laughs> we do. We spend a lot of time on premonitions of dreaming in the beginning. <laughs> Sorry, so yeah, there's there are um, a couple of different types of premonitions. Most people experience what's called ambient premonitions in dreams. You can definitely get premonitions while you're awake. Uh, the, the trickiest, the hardest part about premonitions when you don't know if you're dreaming them or not is that they feel very much like deja vu. So uh, if you are a person who experiences deja vu frequently, it's a good chance that you've had a dream 
that you don't remember and you had a precognitive dream about that moment. That's often how I know because I'll forget. I'll have the dream and go, huh, that's interesting because I usually do remember those ones in the morning or at least pieces Mm -hmm. of it. And then it's six, 12 months, I don't know much, somewhere around that time typically um, that I'll have a deja vu moment and go, ah, I dreamt that or very, very similar, like a lot of very similar stuff, not necessarily exact, but very similar stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Now so it makes sense. My husband, via, because he's taking the school for spirit classes, but he takes them in his off hours because he's always watching the kids during class and so he can't be in class with us. But he's been working on his dreams. And one of the, the interesting things for him is uh, for years, he couldn't remember his dreams. I remember, um, you know, we've been together over 15 years. And in the beginning, he's like, I never remember my dreams. But he always has deja vu, like constantly, like to the point where he's like, I've already seen this moment. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> you know, like where, where? He's like, I don't know. But I have this very intense feeling that this, this, and this happened in that order. And then it did. Um, which tells me that most likely he's having precognitive dreams mm. that he's not remembering, but they're coming up as deja vu. So if that's you, guess what? Very precognitive you are. You just don't know it. You don't know it. It's you don't know how useful awesome. when you're dreaming it. And then you, yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's what I used to think about. So well, why did I have that dream? Why? Because it makes no sense at the time that I have the dream. I can't do anything about it. It's almost like when I get there, it's like, huh, okay then. See, now that's what we think, but that's why lucid dreaming is such a great skill to learn because there is something Mm. that you can do about it. In fact, there's quite a bit you can do about it, quite a bit of um, deep revealing um, spiritual growth um, information. I mean, you, a lot of times people get information about other people in lucid dreams or dreaming as well but we don't we kind of don't you know if you have poor dream recall obviously you're not going to remember it um if you don't recognize that it's happening you're not and you're not taking note of it there's no way to track that right Mm -hmm. because the the trick with dreams is you really do want to write them down as close to waking up as possible some people are so diligent about it that they'll wake themselves up out of a dream to write it down I'm not a person <laughs> yet. I, I love my sleep too much. Yeah. <laughs> and when I wake up, I'm pretty groggy. Like I'm just like, yeah. Whoa, who am I? <laughs> if I sat up and wrote down what my dream was, I didn't be awake for two or three hours and I just, I need to sleep. Right. But here's the trick. I mean, the, the thing is the longer space between the dream and yeah. your recording it, the less likely With you are to get. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Why not? The things that are most important for our growth, I do believe we remember. Mm, I do believe the dreams I had last thing in the morning, like when I go, because hubby gets up at, you know, stupid o'clock. So I'm from there kind of lucid dreaming for that morning phase mm-hmm. until, you know, one of us wakes up, like a child or me. And I get really interesting dreams and stuff in that point. I've actually had quite a few of my ex-husband um, recently in the last probably month. I haven't yeah. look at what that is, but anyway. Right. And, and we do, we meet a lot of different beings in our dreams. And, um, you know, if you're not familiar with dreams or you just kind of dismiss them as, is just your subconscious cleaning itself, which is something that's, that's the general, that's the traditional view, cultural view of dreaming is that, you know, it's a, they believe that it's a contained space and just processing. You're just mind dumping 
Um, and it's so inaccurate. It's, it's such a diminishing, you know, and the thing is we experience what we believe. So if we believe that we don't really get to go deeper into what could be there. We literally, belief is such a huge um, key to life. It really is. I mean, belief is <laughs> everything, belief and intention. Mm-hmm. So what was really interesting is as I was writing out the materials, what, they, what I got about belief, and they said belief is like a door. If you keep your beliefs open, the door can open and you can get new information. If you have very closed beliefs or you're like, this is how it is, period, the door is closed. And if you're a person who's like, prove it, I don't believe it, then there's no door at all. If you don't believe in anything, there's no door. So it's, it's really interesting about that. So we actually have this amazing ability to create, you know, we, we do, we have the ability to create what we believe. That's how we create um, from an internal to an external reality. So uh, for those people who have very strict belief that this is just brain dumping, that's really all they're going to experience. And anything that's beyond that is not, they're not going to have a, any kind of recollection that it's happening to them. Uh, because they're not, they're closed off to the belief. Um, so it's really interesting. I mean, it's one of those things where you can't argue your case mm. because it's a case by case basis. You know, mm. I think that's so interesting. I love it, which, which, you know, it really does encourage us to consider staying open. I mean, what, so let's talk about that for a second. Cause it's, I think it's the topic I think that intrigues me the most right now is this idea of having an idea of what something's like and staying open to possibility, which means that you're holding your belief, but you're holding it loosely. Mm. So Rach, for you, what does that mean to you? Um, This is something I actually do quite well. And I used to worry that it was a problem in, well, not a problem, but it, it made me, Mm, soft I think was the word that I used because I am very open-minded very very open-minded which means that I can have a belief about something you know, this is how I believe this to be true but then someone can come to me and give me new information or some other proof or something else that's that says to me actually that's not necessarily the truth and if it resonates with me if it makes more sense then I take that on and go, okay, well, I believe that to be true. So I can switch and change quite quickly based on my experience, based on the information that comes to me, um, where other people are so solid in black, white. Now, here's, here's some very controversial versions. Pro-vaccination, anti-vaccination. Pro-circumcision, anti-circumcision. Um, pro-abortion, anti-abortion. So these groups, the far extremes, are so solid in their belief that they are right, that, they, that means that the opposite side is wrong. Now, me, I fit somewhere in the middle. I'm not pro, I'm not anti, but I can see both sides and then I just have to work out what is right for me in that. And often I don't share my views because... I've got people in my network who are either extreme who just won't understand that I don't stand in the same camp that I, that they do. So my view is often very flexible based on what I know, what I experience in the moment, which is this soft holding of a belief. 
I like that. And I, I feel the same way. I think of myself in terms of belief as a, a bit of a scientist, that I have a hypothesis of how I believe it works, but I'm willing to be shown other possibilities. Yes. And a scientist has to have that kind of, you know, I, I do, I think of myself as kind of like a spiritual scientist who is looking at what's possible and available. I'm looking at the data that's there. Um, and I'm, I allow myself to what if it, and they call this like putting um, in, in scientific terms, it's like bracketing is what they call it, where you literally put brackets around what you're looking at and you allow it to be as if, right? As if this were the truth, as if what I'm, what I'm reading or saying right now were true, which would allow you to fully experience that belief without having to commit to it, right? We get to go in and experience the idea of this is good for me, this is bad for me, this is this way, this is that way. Um, with the, you know, like trying to see it through the eyes of the person um, suggesting it or the person who is um, making the claim, right? I mean, this is what uh, anthropologists do, for example, when they study other cultures, right? We have cultural beliefs that we're carrying with us, but to be to be accurately studying another culture, you actually need to leave those be beliefs uh, behind for a moment because they're very limiting. And if someone believes that, you know, um, grinding up bones and blowing them into smoke will create a vision of something and you're like, that's ridiculous. That's my, my personal view is that's hogwash, right? Like, but the cultural view of this other group is that this is actually something quite mystical in order to experience it as that group experiences it. The, the person doing the research has to let uh, temporarily put their beliefs in the background suspend, thank you and bracket and say, I am going to imagine as if this were true and experience that, that belief from that point of view. And at the really end, important. that's an important point because unless you're willing to hold on to that belief, you can't experience that belief. No, you can't. You can't. Belief plays such a huge part in the experience of the very thing that you've got beliefs around. Absolutely. So when the experiment is over, when the, the research is over, then they take those brackets off and they go back to theirs. And now they have new information. Now they can come back to their own beliefs. And it usually I'm sure causes them to reassess the personal beliefs they came in with and then make adjustments from there. They might take a little of this because they saw that to be true. And they might take a little from theirs and, and create a new belief system chain around that. So I like to approach information in that way. Um, you know, people ask me all the time because of what I teach. I talk about intuition and magic. They want absolutes <laughs> from me. And I think that sometimes they get frustrated because I won't give them an absolute. I will tell them my experience and I will tell them the experiences that have been reported and what's available. Uh, but I won't give them the, this is how it is. Because as soon as you do that, wait to be proven wrong. Because you will be proven wrong. You absolutely will. Absolutely. Because think about it this way, we have a view of the world and we've been, um, you know, different beliefs around different stuff, but especially when it's in, you know, the spiritual realm or whatever, um, there's certainly, sometimes what this, you've got two camps, they believe this, they believe this, and then there's a lot of people in between, but they're not accounting for, well, actually, what if they're all wrong or slightly wrong? What if the truth is this? So there's got to be, you know, this is not for every belief, but there are often times where the actual truth or the answer 
is something completely different. So we've got to be open to being on what they call the leading edge and accepting or looking at completely different ideas to what we even know is possible based on the research and the scientific method that's already out there, which is why we have people who are inventing new things and, and creating new ways of creating energy and all that sort of stuff, because they're in a space of not looking at what already is and proven. They're open to completely new ideas and theories around how everything works. And I think that's something to be aware of too. <clears throat> Yeah, God, I have so many thoughts coming through, and I'm reading. <laughs> I'm reading what yeah, people. We are, are running out of time. This is probably a whole other podcast to talk about more about it. Anyway. Yeah, well, so on my, I'm about to do a Facebook Live, um, and I wanted to talk about um, the nature of magic because I ran across something. I mean, when any topic, you're going to find beliefs and strong opinions on, like you had mentioned, in different topics from one side to another, right? To from black to white, and everything in between will be in there. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about the nature of magic is because the next module is about ritual magic, which talks about, you know, witchcraft is where we're going to go because we're talking about magic, right? Not just belief. And so much ritual magic is associated with witchcraft. Well, I just happened upon a Facebook, you know how, you know how the robots are watching everything we do? Well, the robots notice that I look at a lot of stuff on YouTube that's about mysticism and things. So I get a lot I'm of getting all the suggestions. <laughs> I get a lot of suggestions. And the one was that I got last night that I clicked on was how to spot a witch. And I thought, oh, this might be interesting and good. And it was totally uh, religious propaganda for like anything that's not <laughs> Christian is evil, right? Basically. And it got my, it got me triggered because I, you know, I'm different. <laughs> I'm different and I talk about and do different things. But it got me thinking about my response to that, which is kind of what we're talking about here is around belief and and it goes into it a lot deeper. So I'm about to go into that deeper. But when it comes to um what we experience on a physical and in the non-physical, you see like what I love about it is that if we're limiting ourselves in belief on the way in the waking world, that transfers over into our non-physical world. So, you know, if you're a person who finds yourself having very strict rules and beliefs on, on this side, they're going to transfer over to the other side. Um, so notice that if you're like, I don't think that this happens. Um, notice if your beliefs or assumptions or prejudices might be limiting you in a way from experiencing your full potential. We do that to ourselves all the time. I've done it to myself, right? We, we find ways to limit ourselves and the world is about experience and experience is like the greatest teacher, right? And causes us to open back up if we allow ourselves to have them, have experiences. Mm. All right, we're uh, coming to time here and I've got to, Little boy who's starting to get a little distressed down there, so we'll need to head to questions. Wrap it. Uh, no, we, wrap we don't really have any questions coming up. We, I see some, you know, of course, people who are watching this most likely have the same, a similar mindset to us. So we're getting, we're getting a lot of agreement mm -hmm. um, on this. And I think Agnes is saying that what I see around me is often a struggle to update a belief system when we have clear incentives. And I, of course, it's doing that cut. Cutting off the comment. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Why would you change? And this is the nature of humanity is 
why, why change what makes you comfortable? We don't change when we're comfortable. We change when we feel life isn't working. That's yes. what gets the change. We get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're seeing that, if you're seeing people who are very stuck in their values or beliefs or assumptions about the world, they're probably comfortable with it. I don't think, you know, for myself personally, I don't feel like I need to shake someone's tree. No, but I do want to express um, what I'm experiencing so that I can help widen the expanse, right? Like there's just so much more than we think is there. Mm. And even if we think we've found the limit, we still haven't found the limit yet. We're really only just scratching the surface. We think we know a lot, but there's really so much more to learn. And it's just a process of continuing to be open-minded about everything. And you know, knowing that we have an experience or know a certain amount, but we don't necessarily know everything. And we're not necessarily right either. No, it's, well, I'll, I'll, let's leave it with this, right? So in quantum physics, they have discovered what's called the observer effect. And when it, and whenever you put science on it, it feels very real, right? Which that's a whole nother topic. But with this observer effect, what they've noticed is that what the observer observes about any given subject creates it, creates the reality of it. Which so, is our perspective um, viewed by our beliefs and our experience. So when we're coming at something with all of those filters already turned on and we're observing something, we're actually not observing it objectively as much as we try to. Right. We still have, we're still projecting on, we project onto our reality all the time. And we, and the interesting thing is we also project onto our non-physical reality. Just so, so know that, right? Know, know that when you open up in either space, more information comes. Mm -hmm. So if you think that you're all the way open, test that theory just for fun put some brackets up and say, what if unicorns are real? I don't know. Pick something fun and test it. That's <laughs> test a good it. one. I like that. All right. Before we go, let's, um, do you want to say a quick word about the, the spirit circles? Which is yes. Yeah. So our, our podcast is sponsored by our spirit circles. These are lunar moon rituals that we do twice a month, one for the new moon and one for the full moon. This is a place for like minds to gather and work with cosmic energy, right? We, you always hear us talking about going into alignment. When you're working with the flow of the cosmos, you are, you are um, working with the ebb and the flow of energy, universal energy. So much easier. And you know what to focus on. So these spirit circles are so great because it's a place for you to check in with what's going on in, in our broader world. Um, find out what the, the universe is asking you to focus on. Because sometimes it's about money. Sometimes it's about relationships. Sometimes it's about self-love, letting go, um, moving into acceptance. And there's so many different areas that the, high, that the, um, the universe shows us through things like astrology, what's happening and what's being focused on in energy. So when we align ourselves to that and we allow ourselves to focus in those areas, let go of our preconceived ideas, this is what has to happen. We find out that things actually flow much more easily and the things that we're asking to come in, come in much more easily. And the things that we need to let go of, we let go of in a way that feels easy and effortless. And we get to do it with a group of people who are helping us hold our intentions and we're holding intentions for them. So it's beautiful because we are acting of service one another we're holding space and intending energy which is such a beautiful 
um, experience. And then we get to go through um, a process either around manifesting or letting go. Uh, we get to do some energy work with rage and we get to go through a channeled process and they're different every time. <laughs> we that's do know what we're doing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but we don't know what comes. We don't know what's coming. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then after that, of course, we have psychic Q&A where you get an opportunity to ask us your personal questions and we will both go into energy and get some information for you from that. And that's something that you can join us. Um, you can join us just for a single event or you can sign up to be part of our spirit circle um, regular mm -hmm. subscription. Thank you. Yep. Um, and join us. For every spirit circle, you also get the recordings to keep. And these processes, sometimes they're so intense that we actually extract them mm. and um, have them individually for sale. Right. So you get every single, every single process when you sign up for a subscription. So if that sounds like something that you would be really interested in, or it feels like that little thing you need to add to your life, you can go to spirit, the number four success.com and you'll see spirit circles. Click on think it'll give you much more information and all the different ways that you can join us exactly so thank you very much for that all right thank you to everybody who joined us live today to talk about all about stuff and spiders <laughs> ah, until next time relax we got this Thanks for listening to the show. To learn more about Rach and Therese and all of our awesome offerings, go to spirit4success.com or find us on Facebook. In fact, why not join our kick-ass and sparkly group, Kick-Ass and Sparkly Lady Panures Unite. Until next time, relax. We got this.